Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I thought I'd left you Somewhere in the Hello and welcome to the Robert Lane Creative Careers Podcast, the podcast about creativity and making a living in the arts. This episode of the podcast features a conversation with actor Lawrence Saunders. I spoke to Lawrence for the online launch event for my new album, Homeworking, and I edited up some five-minute videos of us chatting about subjects relating to the album. This is the full conversation that we had. You can find Lawrence on Twitter as at Mr. L Saunders. It would be fantastic if you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast, as doing that helps more people to discover it. It's also very useful when I'm talking to potential new guests, as it shows that people are listening. Thank you. I have a new album out. It's called Homeworking and is available now on Bandcamp to stream, download and buy physical copies. It will be available everywhere else on the 5th of November. It would be amazing if you could take a look at the album and consider buying it, as all sales help me to make more. All the details, as well as information about other projects that I'm working on, can be found on my website, robertlaymusic.co.uk, and you can find me all over social media as Robert Lane Music. Here's a bit of the title track from the album. Here's my conversation with Lawrence Saunders. Hello, Lawrence. How are you? I'm good, Rob. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you very much. It's nice to see you. What am I interrupting at the moment? What have you been working on recently? What have I been working on recently? Um, I'm about to start working a play um, in London, a play called Noor at the Southwark Playhouse, um, which uh, is is about a uh, person called Nora Nayat Khan or Nora Baker, and she was a uh, a, a spy um, in the, the Second World War, went behind uh, enemy lines in France. Mm. And so that's quite unusual because she's a, a, a woman, uh, a person of colour, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to beginning that. Other things I've done recently, um, been working on a, a short film um, about... Uh, about a guy who is uh, comes home to find himself being cuckolded uh, by his uh, 
it's called the whole world blind and it's uh yeah he, he comes home to discover that and that's what you see at the start of the film and mm-hmm. it's about what happens next and i guess that's about kind of toxic masculinity and identity and all that kind of stuff it's a it's a pretty dark comedy a bit like something that ben wheatley would write i guess that kind of thing so it's been good i did a a video for um to promote further education mm-hmm. which was quite interesting i got to drive a tesla nice. in that which mm-hmm. was <laughs> quite good fun because i don't drive well i do i can but uh, i've never sat my test so and you know it's on private property so that was you know it's perfectly legal but that was it the tesla is quite an interesting car to drive are you going to be buying yourself one then uh i think they're a bit extra i don't like elon musk to be honest i shouldn't say that should i so um you know but he's probably listening yeah he'll be um he's my next guest (laughs) (laughs) is he oh good god okay i'll pass on any feedback (laughs) (laughs) I i love him okay uh, I think he's fantastic. I particularly like how he used his wealthy inherited from a blood diamond mine to. Uh, no, anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's really. There's an interesting car. There's a massive um, kind of iPad mm. at, at the front of the car. That, that's not how you drive it, but you can, when you reverse, you can, you know, it's you can see where, where you're going in there. But it's also a lot of the stuff is like touchscreen controlled, mm. which is quite interesting. And do you sit backwards like in Captain Scarlet? Uh, unfortunately not. That's what they need to do next, isn't it? I can never work out why they did that, just just because they could, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I used to love Captain Scarlet. Yeah. Scarlet, Scarlet. I I think he was one of the stronger of those. I never really got Stingray. Thunderbirds was good. I like Thunderbirds. Although, maybe Stingray's got the best theme tune. Anyway, none of that is important. Right. Um, Tell us a bit of your kind of bio if you you know up to this point so Lawrence we met originally on a on the music circuit I think you were you were gigging um yes songwriting right. solo and in bands I think um in, in bands uh did you play really bass solo. when I first met you yeah that's it yeah yeah so I was playing bass and also played guitar in the band as well that was a, a group of mates and uh we were called boom shadow which that's is a terrible it. name isn't it really <laughs> but uh, we struggled to come up with a name but um I guess the thing the enjoyable thing about that, was it was it Sutton, uh, Sutton Coalfield where the gig was? I don't I know. It's, I feel like there's there. been Sutton and then potentially stuff in Wolverhampton as well. I don't know. Yes, yeah, so maybe. Was yeah, a, yeah. There was a bit of a circuit going in Wolverhampton at that time. Um, there was a pub called, there's the Varsity. Yeah. Um, and the Royal London used to do gigs, I think. There was quite a okay. bit of a scene at that point, which not so much now, I don't think, unfortunately. Yeah, we played the pub that was next door to the Lighthouse um, as mm. well. Uh, back then but yeah that was good fun that was just with friends uh, a mate from uni that I'd met you know one of the best mates but also the guy that that formed the bands he was uh, a dad of uh, children at the same school as my kids nice and then one of the other guys in the band was uh, a dad of children so it was, but we, we weren't quite we weren't dad rock I don't think uh, although we were all dads but what yeah what was good about it I mean when Gareth formed the band it, we were just playing his material mm-hmm and then we kind of, ex- it was a bit like a land grab. We, we all started writing songs and, you know, because just be, you know, the, uh, uh, it's a numbers game, isn't it? Then, then if you've got four people writing songs and all presenting them, then you, the one person can't have all their songs in, in, in the, uh, you know, in the mm-hmm. set. But yeah, it was, it was good fun. And we, one thing that we used to do is if we'd written a song, you'd play the guitar generally. And so we'd swap instruments and move around. And not many people seem to do that so that seemed to be 
quite a nice thing mm. uh, to do, but I imagine people got sick waiting for us to <laughs> swap instruments. Yeah. So that's when we first met, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I think so. And yeah. were you doing um, acting stuff at the same point as that then? So did they yeah. exist yeah. together? Yeah. yeah. And Together, yeah. So I've been, I mean, I've been acting now since, um, gosh, uh, 90, 96, really, 97 professionally. I think um, I was working in a, as a waitress in a cocktail bar. Mm-hmm. I was gonna, um, when I, I met was, you, uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Uh, no, um, yeah, so I'd, I'd gone to uni, did something completely unrelated to acting, um, a kind of society and government degree in that an urban policy and management nice um and uh, frankie boyle was on that course for a year with okay. me which is a bit uh you know that, that explains where he's ended up um <laughs> and you've worked with him since as well haven't you yeah 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 so we kept in touch and, we, and i ended up um you know like, that's nepotism it's yeah, yeah. that's what they up. taught you on that course wasn't it yeah it was nepotism yeah i mean that's how a lot of urban planning uh is uh, carried I think out. nepotism and backhanders a, i think a ba in nepotism and backhanders is yes, is where we've got to be headed surely <laughs> but yes yeah, so I, I did I, I did that and then i got a I left uh when i finished i got my degree and had a, a, a job at a call center mm. Um, Mercury Directory Inquiries. So, um, yeah, that was good. My fun. brother worked for Directory Inquiries for a while. Where where were you doing that? Um, in, in the centre of Birmingham, Cornwall Street. May have been at the same place. Yeah. We weren't like the BT192 because I think uh, they you could only get two or three numbers from them. We, right. <laughs> we could just uh, have as many as you liked, although the, how they made the money was – by each new call so there was a weird kind of um tension there between uh, customer service and the money you were generating of course but anyway while i was doing that i was looking for another job and it it back then used to look in the back of the newspaper for for um for work for jobs in the classifieds and i saw uh, an ad for um uh frank skinner sitcom they were looking for extras so um a, f- a friend, so me and uh, five mates lived together when we left university. Well, for most of our twenties, we shared, uh, you know, houses. And um, we decided—I don't know why—we just decided to go along. And you know, my so- surname's—well, uh, his surname's French. My surname is Saunders. So that was quite a funny thing. And then you had to audition weirdly for like a, a supporting art extra part for this thing. So we did, and we got that. Um, and I went along and we filmed it one evening and we got paid cash in hand and we got fed loads and, <laughs> and the job was eating chips outside a chip shop um, as Frank Skinner walked past. Um, and uh, so I thought, oh, wow, this is, is this showbiz. I could, uh, I, I, could <laughs> uh, I could do this. Anyway, um, the, a few weeks later, I was still looking for another job and I saw Birmingham Theatre School were doing uh, part-time acting classes. And I'd always kind of harboured this, or for a while harboured this thing of being a writer. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'd been interested, I saw the film Prick Up Your Ears about Joe Orton, and I got interested in him. This is when I was at uni and read his plays, and I thought about writing. I wrote a f- couple of terrible things. and um, But I thought if I, if I wanted to write for performers, then it would be interesting to see what mm-hmm. uh, it would like to be, a, uh, be like to be a performer. So... Uh, yeah, so I went along and did these part-time acting classes on a Friday evening in a room upstairs at the old Rep Theatre, which is the pers- first purpose-built repertory theatre 
in the country. And when Birmingham Theatre School was established there, but I think it was Mary Mary Richards, I think the name was, um, in the 1920s, she set it up um, to bring working class young people into the theatre. So it's got an interesting history. And then the guy that was running it and is still running it now, Chris Rosansky, his background, I think he'd been a theatre designer, but he'd, he'd set up something called Theatre of the Unemployed, um, you know, a few years before, which I, was a, a bit of a influence, I guess, by Augusto Boal, the Brazilian practitioner of mm. Theatre of the Oppressed. And he did that, and then he he took on Birmingham Theatre School. So there was quite an interesting uh, thing going on there. And I did these part-time acting classes and some pub theatre. Then I got the chance to audition for a scholarship um, uh, to do a, a one-year course there. Um which I did in 95 to 96, I think. So that's when it started, or just around then. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's how I got into it. And then, mm-hmm. and then I did a postgraduate course there as well. Um, and uh, and then when I left there, I just carried on. I started, started working, I guess. By that point, I wasn't working in the call centre. I was working in graphic design. And uh, so I packed that in. Um, and it was a lot, a lot easier to do that then. Recently, um, I went to a short film screening of a short that I'd been in, and mm. um, I, I go to film screenings of other films, films I'm not in as well. That sounds really. <laughs> <laughs> I only go and see myself. Um, and um, there was some people there. Uh, one of the actors who produced it uh, also runs a screen um, acting uh, course. Mm-hmm. A really good one, Louise Osborne, her name is, and, and some of her students from that had come to, to watch the film. And uh, they were talking to me afterwards and asking about how to get into it. And a couple of them were saying about thinking about leaving their jobs. Pack it. Do, do you need to pack your job in to go and, um, uh, you know, become an actor? Um, and it was really interesting because that's what I did. Yeah. But I did that in the mid 90s. Yeah. And I think it's so much easier. It was so much easier then to do that. You know, for instance, um, you know, we were talking earlier before we started recording about the cost of living and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, when I was living with my friends, our rent was £110 each a month. Mm-hmm. And we had a lovely, a lovely house. You know, so that's the people's rents now uh, or mortgages or whatever. It, it's, uh, it's a lot more difficult, I think, to get into the industry now. Something uh, that... To- I'm sort of finding from talking to people and like my experience as well is that acting definitely and I think music as well it's very difficult if you haven't got some income outside of it so whether you you're coming from a place where people can help you with money or yeah. whether you've earned some money doing something else or or whatever it happens to be it's very difficult um because with acting particularly I mean maybe you didn't but the the common sort of idea is that you're going to have lean times pretty much throughout certainly at the start when you're starting out unless you're very lucky there's going to be a certain amount of setting your stall out learning your craft and all that stuff i mean for you for you when did you and have you ever (laughs) felt like you're at the point where you're working consistently you you've established yourself you know what you're doing and if you have when did that come because i think that's a point i think that's a point a lot of people are aiming for and it doesn't come as quickly as they might think yeah, I think it's tough. I think um, I'm not sure if I know it's, if I know what I'm doing even now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's always that thought, isn't it, that people have? Um, and then, but I also at the same time as thinking that, I also do think I know what I'm doing as well. That's an interesting. So there's that going yeah. on. 
Um, I think what I found uh, was that um, it's finding um, a way of ensuring that you've got an income coming in. Yes, I think as well. So that can people can do that. So there are a number of ways. You know, people have jobs um, outside of the acting industry or whatever, and you know, which is fantastic because you've got to be able to support yourself. I worked on a, a, a short a few years ago, and a guy who was on it had worked, had moved down from the north to London to live, and he was talking about it and saying it is kind of the dream, but and maybe it was for him, but he was. It's you know he was ordering huge bags of rice and um, I can't remember what the other thing was he was an oats from Amazon so he could afford to eat and he'd have if he wasn't doing anything which seemed to be a lot of the time he'd um, because it's difficult uh, to you know he'd uh, he'd get up late have a huge bowl of porridge and then for his tea or his dinner he'd have a huge bowl of rice and go to bed early um and i thought that's you know that's a really and i guess he was holding i don't know but maybe he's holding out the thing when the job comes mm. then you know that will change everything mm-hmm. but that seems to me to be it unless you enjoy that kind of austere living it, it sounds a, a, a bleak way to live so I, I think it's really important to ensure that there's you've got you're able to to pay your bills, etc., and live. So one way I found of doing that, there was a number of things when I, there was, I mean, there still are a lot of theatre and education, really good theatre and education companies to work for. So, you know, I, I've, and I've worked with a lot of those over the years and uh, particularly uh, at the start of, uh, of my career, not that it's a job that you, you can, you, uh, that work is, is important and it's really great to do whatever point you are mm-hmm. at in your career, I think. Um, so that was, so I, I took advantage of that. Whereas other actors that I knew were sniffy, ridiculously mm. about that kind of. It's a bit like I think Michael Billington wrote in the piece about the new uh, artistic directors, the RSC, that was published yesterday or the day before. He talks about the, the educational community work that that is done, uh, whilst is important, is subordinate um, right. to the. And I thought no. It's not, you know. Um, so yeah, so it's it's about. I'm uh, rambling really, but it's about the you can there's find. I think if you're working as an actor, it's not necessarily about the, just being on TV or uh, you know um, in the West End. There's there is a range of things out there that you can that you can look to do that is uh, stimulates you, that's creating great work that engages people. Um, that also pays the bills as well. Um, those things. Um, and an- another thing that I did as well was early on got into doing the, there's, there's quite a, you know, there's a range of training work. And if you wanted to out there, I know people that that's how they make a, a living and make a very good living. So there's, there's those uh, things as well. It's finding stuff. It's having multiple income streams. I think that's, I don't know what they call it, portfolio careers or something. It's yeah. the, the term i guess so that so that's how i so to be, when i first started i uh, i left Birmingham theater school when i finished and i signed on for a bit um and went to all you know auditions and, and got work it was really interesting because the job center and, and you know why would they have an understanding of something as as 
as we in the industry, the acting industry, but they really, you know, they, they, they didn't, you know, I remember having to phone up to change one of my um, job center meetings because I got an audition for a commercial and the person I was speaking to said, uh, said, well, don't they say you shouldn't do commercials? They're, they're bad for your career. And I thought that's weird. But yes, yeah, so I signed on <laughs> a bit to begin with, but then within a, you know, a year or two, I'd, uh, I'd found through doing a range of different work that, um, that it was, that I was earning, you know, and to begin with, I wasn't earning a lot, a lot, mm. I'm not, you know, and it, and it always fluctuates. Mm. Um, your, your earnings always fluctuate, I think, unless you're at, at a certain level. But um, I found that it was easier for me to, and to, to get the work that I needed to do that enabled me to, you know, pay the bills, et cetera, and not have to, to do that. And also, um, and then I, I think I did one, I've done one temp job for two weeks in my career, um, which was good fun. And I found it was really interesting because they kind of really, uh, I had to take a, a, an afternoon off for an audition. So that's when I told them that I was an actor and they really loved that. And I felt sorry for this other guy I was working with. who seemed to be treated really appallingly, yeah. you know, and if he'd have taken an afternoon off for something, um, I don't think, but you know, people get off on the idea of this weird glamour, don't they? Of, uh, yeah, that's you, you an know, interesting thing. A couple of things what you just said I'd be interested to pick up on. First of all, this thing about having an outside income, and particularly when you're you're starting, you know, doing other jobs and stuff, because it's tricky for an actor, isn't it? Because, as you mentioned, you're at the mercy of, oh, you've been asked to do an audition. It's yes. tomorrow. It's the only opportunity to do it. And yeah, you yeah, know yeah. in your heart of hearts the chances are you're not going to get a job out of it. So it's going to cost yep. you money to get there, do the rest of it. Could be 10 minutes, but you might lose a day's work. You might, and if you're working for someone else, you might piss your bosses off as well. Yes, That's yeah, a yeah. very difficult balancing act, isn't it? I think it is. It really is. And I, I, and I don't think there's an easy answer to that. No. I think, um, what I've found and interestingly, because, you know, when that's arisen for me, it's because it, it's impacted on work that I've been doing for companies. So if I'm doing a, 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 a and I, I try, I always try, my agent's really good at um, negotiating different, uh, trying to push back and get a dip, you know, a convenient time for, yep. you know, for me. And also because I live in, you know, in Birmingham and lots of auditions are in London, mm-hmm. they're really good at, um, you know, getting a time slot that doesn't mean I've got to pay uh, whoever the train company are now, 100 and, 20 quid to get there you know yeah, it's that yeah. they'll push you back so so i'm so that's a privilege i'm lucky to be in that position also uh the work that i've done training work corporate work educational stuff um in that sense is with companies that employ actors with a particular skill set that's uh applicable to that line of work um but they know they're employing actors mm-hmm. and depending on who the company is um then they they understand, so that makes it easier. I think I still always I, I still don't like to um, you know and uh, to have to ask to get out of something that I've got booked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, particularly not at short notice as well. So I'll always try and get the things moved. But it's it it feels a little easier to have the fact that the the employer 
get the person get you're it. working for has an understanding of it. So I think that's a good thing. So if you're working on whatever it is that you're doing, whether you, you know as a, in an office or in a bar or whatever, um, it, I guess uh, finding a way of helping the, the the employee you're working for have an understanding. I mean, that's easier said than done, isn't it? But yeah. you know, I guess being like this, a friend of mine who's um, gone to. He said to me, you won't believe the number of funerals I've gone to, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't particularly, I, I don't think I'd go down that route because you have to, uh, you yeah. have to remember whose funeral it is every time. It is. Sort of. Yeah. Did your uncle die last week? Uh, oh, it's the a other different uncle. One. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got two uncle Rons. <laughs> yes. One's mum's brother. One's dad's brother. brother yeah. We, we laugh about it all the time. <laughs> Yeah, I also think it's tempting fate. I mean, I don't believe uh, that, but you, you'd worry, wouldn't you? Yeah, because then if Uncle Ron did actually die, die, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so I hope people... no one listening to this has uh, an Uncle Ron, and we've put a hex out there on them. But we do hope people listening get lots of auditions. Yeah, I do hope that. Yeah, and, <laughs> and they're all, always. But there's always a thing. That's a, th- a fear as well. I think, and I've discovered as I've got older, there is a, a there can be a negotiation process. Mm. Well, that's know, interesting. Some, yeah, I think. Because sorry, Rob. You it's from that. my point of view, like um, getting into that world a bit with auditions and stuff. You kind of almost feel like, well, I have had it. Was like, this is the day we're doing it, and it's like, oh, can you through the agent? Can you say that I'm? You know, it's a bit tricky for me that day. I'll lose out on some money. No, that's the only day they're doing them. Oh, okay. So you kind of have that element of, and yeah, it's like, well, yeah. that's fine because that's what I want to be doing. So again, it's it's this kind of. It's this game you play with yourself, don't you? I mean, I mean, don't know your experiences with auditioning and stuff. Are the majority of auditions you go for in your career or now you're expecting you're not going to get them or are you, are you getting half of them? Are you getting most of them? What's the, is there a, a breakdown or does it not really work like that? Because what I'm trying to get at, are you going into an audition aware that you may not get it and then not being devastated by that. But then that makes it difficult if you are having to not do other stuff for the sake of this audition, which in your heart of hearts, you know, might not lead to anything. Yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, yeah, and at the heart of that is, I think there's always a load of kind of opposites or tensions um, throughout uh, Mm -hmm. throughout life, I guess, Mm -hmm. for anybody. But that's certainly the case. I think um, how I approach auditions... And, um, yeah, how I approach auditions is I see them as uh, as an opportunity to act. I mean, I know plenty of people. What's his face? Uh, Brian Cranston uh, went viral with a, a, a video where he says that, Yeah, I think. And I think that's a really healthy way to approach it. I think another thing that I uh, try to think about is that actually in a numbers game um, – They'll be seeing lots of people um, for it. The decision generally is is based on there's a kind of base level, I guess, that everyone they're seeing has, uh, you know, uh, a, a decent level of ability, uh, you know, acting. Yeah. Some people sometimes you, you you can feel that it's a judgment on your on your acting, and I, I think actually the reality of it is is often depending on what you know what it's for if it's for uh if it's a commercial and the uh the brand color is uh, is, is a blue then if you've got really clear blue eyes you know 
that might, no matter how good an actor you are, if you haven't, then you, you may not get the, mm. the, the, that casting. Or, it, it, you know, it could be that if you're auditioning for someone who's part of a family, do they fit? Do they look like, you know, is their energy what the the um, director conceives of as being the energy of the character? There's loads of things that there is no way you, you can second guess and you can and you can put all the preparation, and I think you should put all the preparation in, into what you're doing. But that notwithstanding, uh, you, there are so many other variables yeah. that will affect. Um, and you're you know, not in control to... of them. That's the thing, isn't it? You're not yeah, in control. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the, it's healthy to think of that, not as, as you're auditioning, but afterwards, you know. Um, uh, yeah, what else? So, yeah, and just go, the, the main thing, I think, is, is going and, and it's opportunity to. Uh, build a relationship i think with the casting mm. director or the theater company or whoever it is or the director that's seen because then um they may ask you back you know for something else or they may cast you for that you know it's it's about just doing a, a good job in and they may not ask you back because something may not come up that suits you know my type you know for another couple of years or whatever mm. but if you go in with that and it's about you know just uh building a relationship and, 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 um, you know, doing a good job in the room uh, there and then, because I, I think that uh, a truism is that they really do want you to succeed. I mean, if you can answer their, their problem, which is casting that role, then that's fantastic. And they want everybody to be able to do that. I think that so not even a handful that I can think of at audition experiences where people have, you know, it's been, not good in you know, in 25 years or whatever you know and so i i think that's a, that's a definite truism that, that you know they want you mm. to be the answer um but you you can't control all the variables that would make you the answer i think so i mean i think that's a way to look that's a way to look at it mm. i guess and as, as soon as you do it try to i mean it is hard you know there's things you audition for that you think i really want to get that and uh you know um if you don't that's obviously a disappointment but You've just got to get back on the uh, get back on the horse. Get back on the audition horse. On the audition horse. The pantomime horse. <laughs> but yes, it very much is. And when you look back then on stuff that you've done that you particularly enjoyed, or it's been you know like the the headline stuff that you would tell people about maybe when they're asking about your, your career, yeah. have they come mostly through auditions, or has it come through the nepotism again, or has it come through <laughs> someone's doing something that you've worked on before, or? Or something else, some other way of doing it. Um, it's a real mix, actually. Mm-hmm. I think generally, off most uh, auditions really is the main thing. But it's interesting. So um, I did. So say something like doctors. I've done it a uh, a few t- times over the years, um, and the first time was through directly through an audition, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, I played a a guy that held up the surgery uh, in a a gun siege, and that was good fun. <laughs> um, it's a bit like uh, it's a few episodes, a bit like the Sweeney, um, <laughs> but on daytime. But you couldn't point the gun at anyone because it's daytime telly. Um, oh, okay, so you just so sort of held it. Yeah, I couldn't do that to you. Like, point <laughs> at it. I'd have to like go, you know, point it over there. Um, anyway. I have it. Sorry, then I have a question about first time on Doctors. Had you done a, a mainstream telly before? That was that the first one of that kind of. Um, thing? Yeah, I've done a couple of things. I think before that, I've done um, 
had I done Holby before that? Um, I'm trying to think. No, I um, you're I did Dylan Pasco. I was going to say you're a bit young for the bill, aren't you? Because I think a actors a bit before you, it was the bill that everybody did. Doctors yeah, yeah. Kind yeah. Of Although it was that, still going, I had a, a couple of auditions, never got in. Okay. A friend of mine, Chris, played um, Mickey Webb. Was that his name? I was in the Snarling with Chris, and, I did, and so he was in it for years, and he still oh, gets right. recognised. Um, he did um, the Small Faces, well, the, the Steve Marriott musical, All or Nothing. Oh, great! Which was really good. He played. Steve Marriott, um, post, well, not quite post, yeah, post-death, you know, uh, in his 40s. Reflect, it was really interesting, really mm. good, and he was great in it. Anyway, uh, yeah, so no, I, I, I didn't didn't do the bill. It was um, D. Alan Pascoe, actually, um, and I had a little part in that, and uh, uh, I was playing a, a cameraman. It was uh, Dennis Waterman, another gun siege, weirdly. Dennis Mort- Waterman held uh, the, the pub up. I think he'd served in the Falklands or something, and was suffering from PTSD or whatever, I can't re- remember. But he held everybody up in his pub um, with a gun, and we were, the, me and uh, Alison Henry, uh, a friend of mine, just coincidentally we both were cast. Uh, she was playing the news reporter, I was the cameraman, and, uh, yeah, that was good fun. He shot at us, we had to <laughs> run off. Uh, <laughs> how was, so, so I was wondering once, how was that first time on a proper to inverted commas TV set and there's some like actual well-known people there and stuff as well was that just like loads of fun were you a bit nervous what you know, I was nervous was it? it was fun but it, I was nervous and it was really and also just going into it I remember getting into um things like being picked up in the I mean I had some eating them in the city center but they, they, at the hotel that uh, one of the uh, main actors was staying at but yeah being driven to location um and then i was in a, a winnebago and i was chatting to a guy and i thought you know just because of where i was at in terms yeah. of career and you know i had a couple of lines and stuff like that. i was talking to this bloke in police uniform so i thought he'd be an extra uh it turned out one of the lead characters uh, <laughs> but i didn't say that but it was I, I, why i'm saying that is because i was in this kind of winnebago waiting and thinking oh, you know um so it didn't cross my mind of being with the you know the, the main people. Everyone was really lovely. It was a bit uh, it was a bit of stress, um, I guess, with because you think you, there's a lot of waiting around, mm-hmm. and then you've got to do it. And uh, um, we had an issue with the, the light had to glint off the camera, and when we'd rehearsed, the sun had moved around, so it was really difficult to um, get that one particular. Uh, um, that, that one shot they wanted, uh, you know, so that was a bit of a stress. But it, yeah, it was good. Everyone was very nice. You looked after. Um, like it's about being prepared, I think, mm. when you get there. And uh, I think then you see other things as I'm not going to say who it was. Um, uh, one of the guys who's uh, one of the the guest leads, not um, not Warren. Um, I've forgotten his surname now. And there's Colin Buchanan, I think that was the, who plays. Um, Pasco, who's really lovely, truly lovely. Um, it wasn't them, but there was one guy who they'd set the shot up and uh, we were sat in an ambulance and then he came out and uh, asked for it to be turned around because he got a twitch on in that one side of uh, uh, his uh, his face. So I thought it was a really interesting thing to see the kind of, you know, yeah, I couldn't have asked for that. No. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, so no, that was really good fun, mm. and it, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. But it was, it was, it was stressful. But there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of people there who've got, you know, whose jobs it are, really, uh, jobs are really to make sure that the that the thing goes as smoothly as possible. So you know, so that that's that's good, mm-hmm. and you, you're always on something like that, and on you know most television, there's always somebody telling you where you need to be and you know so you don't have to think of those things and, and stuff which is a bit weird there's someone that brings you know if you stood outside on location and someone brings you a coat and you kind of yeah. i always or gets you a cup of tea or something and i always think i can do that myself yes but, it's a weird one that isn't it but it's it partly because they don't want you going off and getting lost or causing problems isn't it exactly I think. it's like yeah. if you wander off to get your own tea you might not come back or you'll yeah. fall over yeah. or spill something on yourself so it's kind of almost as if like you just stay there and we'll do the thing so that you can't cause any trouble almost isn't it i think yeah 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 definitely and you know and obviously it's their job as well so that's know, it that's what, is, yeah yeah you've got to let people do their job something yeah. that's interesting to me like i find in music and uh acting and stuff as well is that some of the Mm. the hardest work is also the lowest paid. <laughs> so particularly when you're starting out, right? So like, I'm sure we've both done theatre productions where it's those dreaded words, profit share, yes, where yeah, everyone's yeah. getting paid apart from the actors. Um, and you have to schlep in for hours of rehearsals. You have to build the bloody set and take it down. You know, it could be a talk that like you mentioned TIE. Some TIE companies are great, some are less good, but you've got to be driving the van and setting the yeah, yeah, right, yeah. getting paid 50p a year or whatever it is. Whereas <laughs> stuff like you mentioned where you might turn up for an afternoon and someone brings you tea and puts a coat on you and looks after you, it's quite well paid. And then it's been really interesting to me getting an agent over the last couple of years and just seeing some of the breakdowns. So you do a theatre production, even quite a, a significant one for a couple of months, you're looking at, four or five hundred pounds a week maybe whereas spending one day filming you might get that for an advert and then like thousands of pounds in terms of the actual um buyout fees and stuff so it's such a weird juxtaposition isn't it and i think it's the same with gigging as a musician as well those gigs where you drive hundreds of miles across the country to play to three people are really hard work (laughs) and you don't get rewarded as much as you do for maybe doing 10 minutes on a festival stage or whatever and it's a it's a weird one, isn't it? I guess my question is, how do you cope with that? Do you just take that as that's what the job is? Sometimes you're doing stuff that's not particularly well paid. Or actually, I think you've mentioned before that having a family and more responsibilities actually enables you to sort of say, no, I'm I'm not doing that. It's not. It's kind of not worth my time at this point to yeah, do that. Can yeah. you talk to me a little bit about that stuff? Well, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because sometimes the stuff that is less well paid um is more rewarding artistically yeah it's more rewarding more artistically rewarding so there's that there's that there's that balance i think that uh that you've got to you've got to strike um it's very you know and even you know doing a, a theater as you've said uh the you, you know the and, and sometimes yeah is uh that financially is not as rewarding as um uh you know as like exactly as you said filming a commercial potentially you know although i guess yeah yeah uh although it's more artistically rewarding generally is you know so it's it's um yeah i think for me it's taking each one on a on an individual basis and seeing what it is that you can get out of it and uh, mm. in terms of um you know what you get in terms of satisfaction what it gives you in terms of developments what it gives you in terms of uh, 
creatively and artistically, but also as well, you know, what it does financially. I think, um, yeah, with a family, that does, you know, and other people to be responsible for, that does, uh, you know, focus the mind, but you can still do stuff. I've still done stuff that's not necessarily lucrative or um, I don't know if I've ever done anything that's lucrative. <laughs> I don't, but, um, you don't know. Uh, you know, that's, you know, uh, it's not necessarily hugely fi- financially rewarding, but you can still do that. It's, you know, it's, it's finding, you know, what works for you at that particular time. I, I guess it's, uh, yeah, it is an interesting, it is an interesting thing. And there's something there for, I mean, there's something perhaps you talk about theatre, for instance, that the theatre industry needs to get its head round, really, in terms of. Uh, and it's also being aware of what rates are and fees are to, to see uh, what is. Sometimes you, I, I've seen, you know, you'll see adverts advertised on casting sites mm. where you're thinking, hang on a minute, the fee that you're paying there is not uh, is not good enough for you know you know if it's for a. a, a a brand that you know has got a lot of money behind them and they're not paying the market or the equity rate you know it's so i always find it's good to avoid stuff like that Mm -hmm. you know um where there's you think there's an element of exploitation um you know if you're putting on a piece of theater with friends and it's you're in it together uh i think that's or you know you're in a band together and going to play gigs uh, and you've made that decision and nobody's, um, you know, uh, earning out of it really, or, or earning a great deal out of it. Uh, that's different to where if you're in a band and you're playing a gig, uh, uh, and uh, you know, um, it's packed, and you, you, nobody in the, in the bands gets gets any money, but the venue, you know, yeah. or the venue's getting you to pay to play there. Those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. You, you should, you know, you should avoid really. Um, yeah, it's hard though because often they dangle the carrot of exposure and or you know footage for your show reel or whatever. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's trying to make an informed decision really. So find out what it is that you need. Find out what the market rate is, the mm-hmm. equi- or the equity rate is for that that particular job uh, or that kind of job. You know, look at all those things to see uh, you know what it what it is. And but, I'm interested as well then with that stuff. Like, how has um having a family affected that you were telling me that you've just very recently taken one of your daughters up to start university yes obviously like quite yeah. a, a big milestone for her and you i imagine as well yeah yeah definitely but yeah. through where were you i'm not very good at maths where were you in your career then when the kids came along and how did that change things and what was the the mindset of that like the adulting versus this way <laughs> of life like i think we all we all have moments where we wonder how that all fits together. So I'm just curious yeah. how that worked out, really. Um, so, so our eldest was born in 2003. Um, so you know, so I was, I, I still felt early on in the career in my acting career. But if it's like that, so that's six years in, I guess. Mm. Then uh, our second uh, second daughter, she was born in um, 2006. So you know, kind of, um, and I was in my mid thirties by then. Um, so I guess what it, so interestingly, um, in terms of the changes it did make, it did, does make it, didn't make it and does make it more difficult for me to want to go away for an extended period of time. 
So that's been the big thing, actually, because um, when, especially when they're little, all, all through the life, you know, you, you end up sort of thinking about you're going to miss out on all sorts of things, you know, and, and the career has meant I've missed out on things. Um, I've tried not to in relation to the kids, but, through, you know, people's weddings and all those mm. kind of things, you you know, you might end up, end up not being able to go to. So there's, there's always been that there, but yeah, yeah, that's certainly the a mindset change was, and it, it's not that I haven't gone away and, and I've done theatre and I've, you know, uh, traveled away to film or, or whatever, but you know, I, if I was offered, uh, yeah, it would it depend, but it'd be, I'd, I'd find it difficult to go and do it like a 12 month tour or something, I think. So that was the big, um, mm. the big difference. I mean, uh, my wife's got a you know a, a salaried job, so there's a an element of privilege there, you know, uh, in that. Uh, although you know, with the mortgage and everything, you, you know, and the cost of living, you've you've both got to work, um, you know, and we both do that. But uh, that there is that makes it easier than if I was a, a for instance, a single parent. I think. Uh, with with kids um, and having to provide mm-hmm. for them, so it's yeah, it's uh, it, yeah. So for me, um, yeah, and I, and, I, and I did have an impact financially as well. You know, you do think, okay, I'll take that one. Okay, so that the the fee's not very good on that. What am I going to get out of it? Okay, maybe not. You know, I, I guess. But it, again, it's on a in case by case basis. Those decisions were made, I think. But the big one is thinking about being away for an extended period of time and mm. not really wanting to do that. And then are you quite happy with that decision? So has there been things where you could have been away for a long time and you haven't done and you wouldn't know whether you should have or were you quite happy you've done the right thing? I'm um, quite happy with the right thing. And interestingly, um, you know, uh, I guess a value is not a value until it's tested and and uh, mm. it's not often been tested. I think the the ones one thing in terms of and i don't think i'm i've got the right skill set to be in in christmas shows anyway for instance but because all our family birthdays are from uh november the 9th through to january the 15th yeah that falls at a uh, um you know at the time that christmas shows are going to rehearsal and then run and there's been a couple of occasions where i've been offered auditions for christmas shows um that was one this year actually um but because the daughter's gone away, she'll be home that period. So it, that made the decision for me, and I've done that. Uh, so those are things that I've um, where I've said uh, no, and you know, and I've, when I've been talking to my agent about it, they've been fine. You know, well, that was my next question actually, because I'm a bit of a worry part with stuff like this. Anyway, sometimes you sort of think if you say no to even putting yourself forward for things, sometimes there's a little bit of like, oh, people will be angry with me because I'm not going for it. And you can get into a mindset of I should be all in and I should be going for every opportunity and stuff. Yeah. It's an experience thing, I guess, isn't it? Where you get to a point where you're like, well, no, because there'll be something else maybe. And, yeah. And yeah. if it's not right, it's not right. And you get an instinct, I suppose. Apart I from so, yeah. apart from the stuff you were talking about, like if something doesn't sound like it's going to be that enjoyable or it's not going to be what they promised, if you have an instinct for you, Have you been in those situations where you've gone whole-headed into something and it's not turned out to be what was promised or it's just been a shitty experience? like? Um, yeah, not many at mm. all, really. But there, there has been, the, you know, the odd uh, thing. But you, know, I, I guess you, yeah, I, I've been lucky. I think I don't really. I've not had 
I mean, you hear nightmare stories, and I've not really had any particularly awful things. There's been challenges and stuff, and uh, that's often been more to do with um, things arising, um, you know. Mm. Um, the unforeseen. The yeah, yeah, uh, rather than not matching what they promised. Although there has been things, and often in the world of in- indie film that can be the case, hmm. where, you know, the things are talked up and then you think, ah, okay, it's not yes. quite like. But, yeah, generally, uh, generally I've been... I've, either been lucky or the nightmare stories that people hear then then uh fewer and further between than you know that than uh than uh yeah what people are concerned about i guess i, mean, Good. I don't know so that that's that's a, that's been the, the thing but yeah there are challenges at times things will happen that you can't um you know a cast member can fall ill when you're in a, in a, in a show uh, or, uh, you know, um, uh, yeah. Or, you know, with COVID, for instance, I had a production recently that was involved with where someone got COVID, uh, you know, and you just, that makes it a challenge, but that's no one's fault. And, uh, you know, you, you deal with it, I guess. And, you, you, you know. What about the being based, you kind of mentioned this earlier, being based not in London, so being in the provinces, as they used to do. Yes. Has, has there ever been a a pull to be like, I've got to be in London for this stuff or not? Have, has it impacted, do you think, your career, the fact that you're not based there? Have you just spent a lot of time on trains to London, I suppose, for auditions? Yeah, I spent a fair amount of time on trains and, and coaches um, and you know, finding the cheapest way to travel by train. That's yeah. a, that's a, hmm. a good thing to, to, to learn, you know, what to do there, I guess. Um, I think, I don't know if it has impacted. Um, I think, um, yeah, it, that's it. I mean, I don't know. Cause I'm not, I'm not, I've worked in London a lot and I've stayed down there and I've been working and I like London, but um, I like living where we, we do. And I think uh, it's, uh, I think I was influenced. I used to read the NME and Melody Macon and Big, I was a big New Order fan, and they always talked about you know never moving, not moving to London, staying in uh, um, oh, right. Manchester. I mean, I don't know how true that is now, but um, maybe that I think that subconsciously influenced me. I'd stay in the provinces, and, and not, you know, um, I think what can happen is referring to you know it can be lonely um, going and, and making a big move down to London, mm-hmm. you know. It's like Dick Whittington, all the streets are paved with gold, but are they, you know, are they, are they really? And, and what will your quality of life be like, uh, you know? But if you want to do that, I think that, that that's great. It's certainly there's a, a the industry's concentrated there and you meet a lot of other actors, et cetera, um, uh, you know, that are in the same, uh, in the same boat as you, I guess. So, so that's a good, that's a good thing, but equally living in the Midlands and, you know, and, Living near a you know a large city, there's there's a network of actors here. Yeah, so I think it's it's finding, yeah, as long as you can find so, as long as you can find a way to be connected to a network, it's like um, you know, Austin Cleon is that how you say his mm-hmm. surname? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think his stuff's really interesting. He talks about the seniors, doesn't he? Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Which I think is a Brian Eno thing. She's finding a scene of people, and, and that scene is 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 the the genius in a way it's it's rather than the cult of you know um yeah of personality and you know a particular artist is a genius it's when all people come together um 
I think there's a lot of truth in that, and it also provides a support network. So as long as you can do that, um, then and the internet makes that easier now. I think, yeah. So I, I guess the fact that I live on the edge of Birmingham or in Birmingham is, is helpful. I mean, maybe it would be I'd be answering the question differently if I lived, um, you know, in the middle of nowhere where there's not the opportunities to to connect with people and there's not mm-hmm. the opportunities for the work and it's more difficult to travel. So I think, yeah, again, so there's a bit of a privilege, I guess, living in a, a city that's easy to get uh, to travel to. And another side of that, has auditioning has changed, I would guess, over your career, hasn't it? Because the self-tape is a thing that was certainly yeah. about already, but I think COVID has changed that and made that much more of a thing as well. Um, yeah. So are those op- those things where you're having to travel down to London on a first opportunity less now because it's usually a self tape to begin with, or not so much? Yeah, it can be definitely for, for certainly for TV. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so and, and that's a good thing. And also, um, when I started out, CVs um, they weren't online. You know, right. there wasn't Spotlight wasn't online. Spotlight was a, 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 I don't know about ten. Each edition is about 10 big, thick books or whatever. And showreels weren't online. So you had a VHS, mm. um, uh, your a headshot, physical copies to send out. So there was a, there was a cost there that yeah. you don't incur now. Um, so that's, a, yeah, there, there, there's a big difference. So that's, that is the trade-off to something I mentioned earlier about the the um how it was easier for me to walk away from a job and start a course because the cost of living was a lot less and you know and my outgoings were a lot less than they would be now um for a, a person of a young person now doing that but um actually the the flip side of that is the ways of accessing auditions the ways of auditioning uh, etc is is cheaper and i mean you know obviously if you're on spotlight there's a, a a yearly fee to that however once it's there you don't have to keep paying to reproduce yeah, that's a good um, point. 10 by 8s and etc or pay postage or you know you can make a build a website cheaply mm. you can you know connect and interestingly there's also the mind shift mind uh, shift mindset difference that so when we we originally talked about doing this uh, this um conversation not for the album launch, but for, for the podcast. Mm. Uh, that was the, Christ- the Christmas before COVID? Probably, yes. I think that's when I, I was think. starting to do them. Yeah, yeah. And then um, we were going away for Christmas because it was our eldest 16th birthday then, and we went away with the family. It was lovely. So I wasn't available then. And then when I came back, I think I had COVID. I think I'd caught, I'd got COVID. And I was ill. And uh, so, again, it pushed back. Um but we originally we were going to do it face to face. Yeah, we? yeah. It's been that has been a big thing, hasn't? Like I, I did a couple of remote conversations for the podcast. I think before COVID, and it was a bit like, oh, it would be better to be in the room with people. But now, of course, with so much stuff, we're just accepting that we're used to it, aren't we? And then I even see things where people are doing script reads, and it might not even be in the same country. Yeah, and I thought yeah. Well, that's you know. That's really interesting, isn't it? That you can yeah, kind yeah. of do that stuff. I mean, we had to during COVID, and I guess it would be less. But it's nice if it becomes kind of blended. I think, and for yeah, me, certainly so. the self tape thing is is a bit of a godsend, really. I mean, it, again, like you were saying with portfolio careers, it's yet another skill that an actor needs in their armory of being able to film themselves, get decent picture and decent sound. So, yet another thing. And I have spoken to some like old actors who find it all all that a bit confusing. I think. Um, 
so she yeah, had a skill yeah. that you need. But it's amazing just to be able to sit in your thing and do it and, and get it off. And again, you don't have to miss out on opportunities. Like I could imagine previously it'd be like an agent getting in touch and saying, you need to be there tomorrow to audition. It's like, well, I literally can't, I literally can't do that. But I can do a self-tape on my phone in a couple of minutes now. It'll probably be a bit shitty, but at least they'll see me. That yeah, just yeah, wouldn't have been yeah. an opportunity before, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's that's really that's great for access, isn't it? I think mm. for for people in terms of um, yeah, and in, in terms of I guess it's opened it up. They can see more people to mm. go through the first sift. Yep. Um, they can see. So an interesting thing about the travel uh, a few years ago, I was doing a long time ago, I was doing a play in, in London and. Of, got a few casting directors in to see it and so uh, you know um having conversations with them afterwards and I always remember and this has happened on a couple of occasions where casting directors have said um about and this was this was you know 15 years ago 20 years ago maybe um being concerned of calling calling people in from outside london not for any other reason than the cost yeah they were asking people to incur on the train um, and I, I mean, when I someone said that to me, I said, "Well, you know, it's my choice to, you know, live." So I'm I'm always happy to do that. But that's a genuine thing, and and, and if people st- still feel that, I guess maybe I don't know. But what self tapes do, does is take that out of the equation, because you know, there's no concern about the, the cost for the, for the first audition, is there? It's just, so I think that's a, that's a really good thing, a really democratic thing for the yes. industry. The other side of it, of course, is like with everything else that the internet's done, it's made more access, but it means there's more competition, I suppose, as well. Yes, yeah, you, that is the downside. You are competing with everybody who can get a self-tape in, but hey-ho. Um, a final sort of thought then, because you've done so much stage stuff and also film, TV, I have this thing where I, I kind of compare it to being in a recording studio and being live on stage playing music. I, I love both of them. But what I've... And when I was working on the first um, independent film that I was doing a couple of years ago, I, I compared these two things. Award-winning, wasn't it? Was Award-winning, award although still not released. <laughs> the few people who've seen it have given it an award, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm still waiting for the actual release. Um, but what I found with doing that was it, it's very similar to being in the recording studio in that you... It's difficult. It's hard work, particularly with filming. It can be cold, dark, yeah. and thing. Technique, te- technology breaks down. You're waiting for that, but people get them, and you're uh, sort of on this edge because you know you've got to give this performance that's going to last forever. You've got to do yes. this vocal take or this dialogue that's going to be there forever, and that's how you're going to get used for it. So it's stressful on that side. But then once it's done, it's done, and it's a thing that goes off and maybe has its own life. Whereas on stage. You can hone that stage presentation with every performance, make it better and better and better. Every night on stage, it gets better. But it feels like you've got to start again each time. Um, <laughs> I, find, I find this with the improv shows that we do as well. It's like, you can have this amazing night. It's like, yeah, that was fantastic. But that counts for nothing tomorrow night because we're going to have to start again. Yeah, yeah. And I think both of those things have their own advantages and disadvantages. And in a roundabout way, what I'm trying to ask is, have you got a preference? Filming <laughs> or being no. on stage? Um. Oh, that's interesting. I love them both, um, I think. And um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm often asked that. Mm. Uh, I turned into Norman Collier. Remember Norman Collier? <laughs> no. From, no, okay. Uh, sorry. sorry, before your time. <laughs> I'll he look a, it up. A, a, <laughs> he was a comedian whose whole gag was, a whole routine was about um, 
This is nothing to do with the question. It's just okay. that I started to stutter as I was answering it. Okay. And what he used to do is pretend the microphone was cutting out. So it, oh, 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 oh. that was his whole act. Wow. Uh, I think that was in the 70s, so times were different then. Anyway, the answer to the question is um, I love them both. Um, and it's always the, the next thing that I'm doing that um, I, I'm yeah excited by. Oh, that's cool. That's a great like, way to look at it, I think. Yeah, I try to be like that. You know, yeah, definitely, and I think, yeah, that's a, uh, yeah, that's how I try to, to to approach it. And I do, and I do genuinely like them both. I think there's something about like, when we're doing the improvisation. There's something about being you're being there, and the audience are there with you. And particularly if, like, uh, with improv, also how we've seemed to how we've seemed to fall into doing it is we uh, it with. I don't know if this is Brechtian, is it? I don't know, but we're kind of um, we're cognizant of the fact that that we're there in the room with yeah. the audience. Yeah, and I think that's a really good thing because you don't always I, do that. Obviously, we've got the fourth wall, haven't you? With a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's really good. I also think with, with the with fourth wall theatre, the fact that the audience are in the space with you, there is something about that that's that can that is electric, really. And uh, they're there for a shared moment. As you say, you've got to start again. It's like going to a football match, mm-hmm. I think. You're never going to see, um, you know, have that experience again, really, you know, because uh, and certainly with a, a live performance, you're seeing it created, hopefully, there and then. It mm-hmm. feels spontaneous. You feel that you're part of it. That's really great. And then film is um, something different. Uh, again, it's uh, it's there for all time, you know, um, as you say, Um and uh, yeah, and but there's something about the fact that in in a close up on film, we never see a, you never see a human being mm. in in that that close. Mm. I think your eyes go out of focus in reality. If I was to to get as close to you now as um, if I was in the room with you, um, if I jumped on a bus and got over to where you are and got tried to get as close to you as a, a film camera close up does. I don't. Yeah, I don't think you can actually physically do it without your eyes getting out. So that's an interesting thing there mm. as well, and also being part of something where, um, yeah, the whole and, and theatre is the same as well because it plays around visually with stuff, etc. And you know, but that that it, it's it's just a it's a different medium and it's fun, mm. I guess. Great, Lawrence. Thank you so much. If people wanted to catch up with what you're doing or look at some of your projects, what's the best way of doing that? You've got. Uh, website and you're quite active on Twitter I think as well I am quite active on Twitter but often it's not about what I've done it's about ranting at the state of the world that's, that's Mr L too. Saunders but, <laughs> but you know if you're um, if you are a fan of uh, the Conservative Party then I suggest you don't not for you not for them okay <laughs> That's that's you know they can you know that's fine. All, well, people like anyway. looking at the Twitter to get annoyed, don't they? So yeah, maybe. yeah, that's unfortunately. I try to I try to not look at twitter too much because it is annoying isn't it a state of the world but has it ever 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 been useful for work social media like have you got gigs through that or yeah you met people through it yeah good yeah both i've been had work offers through social media um and i have um and i've met people you know yeah. um through that i mean marcus marku the uh, filmmaker i don't know if you've come across him his film papadopoulos and sons is on oh, the, okay and he's doing something at the moment, Cinema for a Pound, which is really interesting, uh, where he's going to be showing a couple of his films in cinemas across the country. But anyway, um, became aware of him because when I was 
we filmed the snarling they spoke with marcus for, because he self-distributed papadopoulos and sons and i think the first weekend it was released in cinemas in the country it only it took as much it it was the second highest grossing film i think um um just behind mission impossible wow. or something for something that's kind of self-distributed really which is amazing and so uh, the guy's producing the snarling had a conversation with him uh, uh with some advice about distribution and stuff so that's why I, and so i've started following him on twitter and then we've had conversations and we did a zoom impro thing during lockdown which is really good you know there's other people there's other filmmakers i've met through and often going back to the question about auditioning and stuff um you, you often have to audition but you can um i found a, a, a lot of times that um through having met people or worked with people on something else that gets you in the door. So mm-hmm. one of the doctor's things I was talking about the, the second time I did that, I'd worked on a short that I'd auditioned for, but um, the a producer of something I'd worked on before had recommended me. And then the director of that, uh, she, um, I had an, an email out of the blue after we'd done the short a couple of years before saying, have you got a, have you got your spotlight online link? Can you send it me? I did, didn't hear anything back. And then a couple of weeks later, I was called in for doctors. And I'd met the casting director before because they cast me in something before. And then he said, well, just bring the director in. And uh, it was uh, the director of the short, Esther, Esther May Campbell, who who came, who, who was the one that had got me in the room, you know. So that was really nice. So there's those, so I think it's really important whether it's you using social media or whether you just, you know, chatting with people in real life to make those connections because you never know um uh where they'll lead you you know it, it goes back to the idea of going into an audition to build a relationship you know and that's not to stalk people or you know to keep getting in touch with them but just to make that that first impression i think is uh is is mm. quite is mm. quite useful great okay so tell us that um uh, handle on twitter again at Mr. L Saunders and also my website, I think is Lawrence Saunders.com. Awesome. That's uh, right. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's it. Okay. Thank you so much, Lawrence. Thanks Rob. That's been brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Mm-hmm.